I love that intro. The coal by itself is going to, ember is going to die, right? Only as it's in or joined with the rest of the fire can it have life or burn. So I'm going to start a new series today. It's called I'm In. And we're going to do this for four weeks. And each week we're going to talk about something that starts with I'm In. And today's topic is I'm Invited. I'm Invited. So I quickly tell you about the next three weeks. Well, I'll talk about this week. First, you're invited. Where are you invited? We're all invited into God's family. Everybody. Jesus died for everyone. And so those of us who are already in the family get to invite other people into the family. Second, next week, we're going to talk about being invaluable. Invaluable. And in God's family, everyone is invaluable to God's work. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has something to contribute. And if we, or you don't, I don't, then there's something of value that's missing. Talk about that next week. The following week, we're going to talk about I'm influential. I'm influential. We all have influence. Sometimes we have negative influence. We all have influence. But especially for God's glory, we have influence. Jesus talked about we are to be salt and light. Light influences its surroundings. We have light in this room. Salt, uh, when you add it to food, it affects all the food. So you and I are to have influence in our world, in our culture, for God's glory. And then the following week, we'll talk about I'm invested. I'm invested into God's family or God's, we call it God's church. So the question is, are you in? Have you ever scrolled through Facebook? Nowadays, that's the way you would probably do it, or Instagram or something. Or just became aware that somebody was throwing a party or some event or going on a trip and some of your friends, some of the people you know were involved. They were invited, but somehow you didn't get invited. How did it make you feel? Feel left out? You feel like, hey, they not like me? Um, not a very good feeling, is it, to be not invited or uninvited? Well, we talk about being church, the unchurched love. One of the keys, critical things about that is people want to feel what? Invited. Invited. So I want to brag on our church a little bit because this has been a challenge over the years and I've been here a long time. I want to back up way near the beginning. We, uh, my wife actually worked at Samwar Children's Home the Friday night and Saturday night shift. And there would be like 20 girls that they would supervise. <clears throat> Some of these girls would come to church on Sunday. She would come home, take a shower, got off at 7 I think, come and take a shower, turn around, go back to Samar, pick up some of these girls and bring them to our church. Now, these girls came from some uh, difficult backgrounds, some um, less than ideal backgrounds, and most of them weren't churchgoers. And so they didn't have a good concept of appropriate dress to come to a church. Now, we're talking like 25 years ago. We're a lot more casual now than we were then. And so there was this debate amongst other people in the church. Well, you know, they should dress more appropriately. Whatever that meant. 
And so there was this debate, well, what should we do? Should we make them feel uninvited because of the way they dress? And so I was proud of the fact that we said, no, 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 no. If they don't know enough to be how to dress appropriately to come to church, they certainly need to be here and hear the good news of the gospel and come to understand. And so we will deal with quote-unquote inappropriate dress because we want them invited. Some years later, and I'm not ex-military, so I don't understand this, but we had some young person come into the auditorium sanctuary wearing a ball cap. And evidently, ex-military people, this is kind of a a no-no, and felt very inappropriate that they do that, and they felt that we should go and tell that person, you can't wear that hat in in this church building. So we discussed that again. And the bottom line was, and if this person didn't understand enough to say, hey, a hat. Now, you may not agree with me, but this is what we did. Uh, we'd rather them be here with a hat on than not be here. And uh, probably, probably before that, my son Josh went to a youth event at another church and wore a hat. And they told him he had to take it off or leave. And he, he, he left. And this was a, somebody who was a Jesus follower. So another time, we had a, a middle-aged man actually come to our church. It was in the summertime. He wore long sleeves and long pants. And around here, lots of people wear definitely short sleeves, but also short pants in the summertime. And so he came back again, and one day he was, wore short sleeves. Now, the reason he wore long sleeves was because he had what? Tats on his arms. And he didn't know if he would be invited or uninvited if we knew he had those. And so he did, and nobody treated him any way differently. And so eventually he got brave enough to wear shorts. And of course, he had tats on his legs. So, again, you may not agree with me, but it's critical, especially for unchurched people, that they feel invited. And it's going to be critical to the story Uh, from the New Testament we're going to look at this morning. But let me ask you again, have you ever felt uninvited? I'm sure we all have. So, Jesus invites, invited and now invites the people that others don't invite, the people that others reject. Now in this story we're going to look at this morning, comes out of Luke chapter 7, It centers around a group of people in Jesus' day who were called Pharisees. Uh, The Pharisees were the most religious people of their day. They acted religious, they dressed religious, they talked religious. And if you were interested in religion or God in their day, these would be the people you respected. These were the people that you would look up to. These were the people you would try and emulate or feel like you weren't as good as them. Because they were so spiritual. They would, you know, fast and memorize whole books of the Bible. Just stuff that the average person can't or wouldn't do. Very religious people. And this one by the name of Simon, his name's going to be, we find out it's going to be Simon. He invites Jesus to dinner one day. Now, the Pharisees didn't know about Jesus. He was kind of a, a renegade out there and he had some weird teachings. And they were trying to figure out how to, at this point in his ministry, who this guy was and should, you know, they kind of be on his side or be against him. And so he throws this party. Now this party wouldn't be like a party we'd have today. 
This was a dinner party, and the, the um, architecture in that day, Simon would have had a, an outer room from the inner room of his house, or rooms of his house, and then there would be like a porch outside us. And, and when they would have these events, the Pharisees would be on the inside, and they would be doing Pharisee stuff. They would be talking about spiritual things and, and all this kind of stuff, and intellectual things. And people were welcome or invited to not come inside, but to be on the porch and kind of listen in. Now you say, why would you do that? Well, they didn't have uh, TV back then. Uh, they didn't have much of entertainment at all. And so this would be uh, something that would attract people's attention. Hey, um, let's be a part outside, but be a part, understand, listen to uh, what these really spiritual people are doing. Be interested in that. <clears throat> so let's begin, with, start with the text. Luke chapter 7. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down. He actually reclined to eat, and that'll make sense here in a minute. A certain immoral woman, we don't know her name. Later on, there was a, a similar event with a, a, another lady. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, so in the, how, how a word got passed around in those days, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, let me ask you a simple question. Was this lady invited? No. She would not have been invited. In fact, the, part of the many rules that the Pharisees had, or religious people in that day had, Jewish people, is that your badness could rub off on me if I touched you. I call them cooties, but anyway, uh, you're, you know, if you uh, were immoral, your immorality would, would make me immoral if you touched me. And so, Pharisees being very religious people certainly wouldn't let this irreligious person, this immoral person, to be in their presence, certainly to touch them. So I put on your outline, this is what they would have had on the door <laughs> Not literally, but this is what it would have meant. Sorry, not invited, not welcome. You're an immoral woman, and we're upstanding people. Now, I want to kind of imagine a little bit, because we don't know the details. But let's think about this lady. I don't know for sure, but I can almost guarantee you that when she went to a slumber party when she was 20 or 10 or 12 years old and the ladies or girls are sitting around talking about what they wanted to do when they grew up, you know, I'll be a doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, uh, you know, nurse, whatever. Um, I can guarantee you this lady didn't say, uh, I would like to be a prostitute. I'm sure that didn't happen. People in this line of work don't grow up wanting to be in that line of work. So the question is, how do you get here? How do you get here? And again, this is conjecture, but I, I can think of multiple ways it could have happened. Uh, a lot of people didn't live very long lives back then. Maybe her parents died. Maybe she had some younger siblings. And there wasn't social welfare back then. So either they were going to starve and die, or she had to find something she could do to have put food on the table. And maybe she was forced to do this. 
Now, this wasn't a glamorous job back then. You didn't make a lot of money, but at least you made enough money to survive. Or maybe um, she was dating the wrong guy. And the guy said, hey, if you love me, you're going to put out. And so she did and got pregnant. And he said, so long. Now she's pregnant. Now she has a child. How is she going to support that child? Not many avenues for some a woman in that culture. Or maybe even worse, she had an evil dad and she, he abused her and then she felt she had no worth anyway. And so she wound up in this line of work. We don't know. We, obviously we don't know. But nobody chooses this line of work. And consequently, I'm sure she felt embarrassed, ashamed, um, immoral, un, unclean, in their terminology, because of what she did. But she did it because she had to, I'm assuming. And I think we've all asked ourselves that question at times in our lives. How did I get here? I got thinking about, fortunately, I've, actually I'll be married almost 45 years. This month will be 45, next month, November. Um, some of you have been divorced. And I've never married anybody, never performed a ceremony, and somebody in one of the couple said, yeah, I plan to get divorced. Nobody enters marriage with the idea that they're going to get divorced. So when that happens, you ask yourself, how did I get here? Maybe you've had to file bankruptcy sometime in your lifetime. And nobody plans to do that. You ask yourself, how did I get here? There could be some other relationship issue. It could be a health issue. You think about, well, I wish I had taken better care of myself. My dad died at 45 in emphysema from smoking all his life. That's how, I, that's how we know. That's how he got there. Let's continue with the story. So the immoral lady enters. They must not have had a bouncer, or they wouldn't let her in, obviously. She got in. She got past the crowd on the porch. She got in. She got to Jesus' feet. And so behind him at his feet weeping. So that reason we know they, they were reclining as they ate. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kissed his feet, putting perfume on them. Now, a couple of things we can surmise from this. One, she was offering something of value, or we could say she was offering her best. This was expensive perfume. Um, it was offering also her future because this was probably her nest egg. This was her savings account. And this was also her calling card, her business card. I found this out this week when I was studying. In that culture, most women didn't wear perfume. Well, it's expensive for one thing. But so what happens is if I was walking down the street and a lady passed me that, was, that had perfume on, that was a calling card saying, hey, you can have me for a price. And so by... Offering up the perfume, she was offering up her calling card, she was offering up her, 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 her values. That's the next slide, by the way. <laughs> uh, possibly a year's worth, we don't know, or maybe all of her worth was tied up in this perfume. So I'm interpreting this this way. This is an extravagant act of worship. We're here present or you're online, 
an act of worship, but for most of us, it's not very extravagant. It's taking up a little bit of our time. Maybe there's an uh, uh, offering involved. Maybe there was a sacrifice, something else we could be doing. But the tears tell us this was an act of repentance. She regretted her life. She regretted what she had done. She wanted to change. Now, a little bit about hair. Ladies, your hair is something special to you. It's something special to us guys. I love my wife's hair. I love it when it's curly and down like it is now, uh, when it's dark or when it's light. Change, ladies, change your colors. You change your styles. Um, but in that culture, you did not have your hair down in public. You only let your hair down for your family, for your spouse. And so this was, in some ways, considered... Uh, immodest if not immoral act that she had her hair down. But she used her hair to wipe Jesus' feet, to wash his feet. Now, the story gets really fascinating here. When the Pharisees who had invited him, when the specific Pharisee, Simon, saw this, saw what? What this lady was doing to Jesus, touching him in particular. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, Next verse, he said to himself. Notice, he didn't say it out loud. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, because you kind of figure out what, what you should think about this Jesus guy, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. And she's a sinner. Yeah, we're all sinners, right? But she's a worse sinner than us, I guess is what he was saying. Now, he, he didn't need to be a prophet to figure this out. Everybody knew. Townspeople knew her probably personally, but the fact that she was, had perfume, that she let her hair down, let, everybody knew. But they were using this to accuse Jesus, especially I think that he allowed them, her to touch him, to say, it's not, this guy wouldn't, if he was a, a religious person like us, he wouldn't let this woman do that. Now notice what, how the text reads next. Then Jesus answered, what? He answered his thoughts. Jesus knows what you and I are thinking. He knows what everybody is thinking. Now, I don't think he had to be a, a Jesus to realize what Simon and the other Pharisees were thinking. He'd been around Pharisees long enough to know what they were thinking. But it, the text says he, re, he answered his thoughts. He said, Simon. I have something to say to you. Now, he didn't force his ideas or his opinions on this guy. He asked permission. He said, I have something to say to you. Simon said, go ahead, teacher. Not rabbi, not, not lord, but, but teacher. He replied. So then Jesus tells him a story. The wisdom of Jesus' method of teaching. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces, or we say $500, to one and $50 to the other. Neither could repay him. You ever lent money to some people? I've done that foolishly sometimes and never got it back. But he forgave them. He said, okay, you can't give it back. Just, just forget it. He kindly forgave them both and canceled their debts. You don't owe me anything anymore. Simon, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Not a very difficult question, really, is it? So Simon answers. 
But I think he kind of understood that where he, Jesus was going with this. So he said, uh, well, I suppose <laughs> the one for whom he can a larger debt, Jesus says, that's right, son. Now, application of story. Jesus turns to the woman, still talking to Simon, and said, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. Common courtesy. They had sandals, they had dirty feet. When somebody comes to your house, in our culture, you say, you want to go to the restroom to wash your hands before you eat? This was even more, more significant. To wash the dust from my feet. But she, this immoral woman, had the respect enough. She has washed them. Not, not with some water, but with her tears. And there wasn't a towel available, available, so she used her hair. And Simon, Simon, you didn't greet me with a kiss. Normal greeting. Men in the Middle East, even, or people in the Middle East, still kind of kiss both cheeks or kiss both sides. Um, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing not my cheeks, but my feet. And Simon, you neglected the courtesy, there's the word, of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with this rare, expensive perfume. So Simon, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, I'm not saying that she's not a sinful person. Has been forgiven. That's canceled. So consequently, she has shown me much love. And you've disrespected me. But a person who is or thinks he is forgiven little, quote unquote Simon, <laughs> shows only little love or gratitude or thankfulness. And then Jesus says something. God, we get him in trouble. Got him in trouble. He said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine if you were that woman and being declared forgiven? Now, the Pharisees didn't like that too much, did they? <laughs> so the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? They would have considered that blasphemy because only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says to the woman, your faith. Nobody else here has believed in me, but you have. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And she probably hadn't experienced peace in a long time. So, question why did this woman do this? Would you do this? Would you take the risk, the ridicule, and the condemnation that you had received? So I'm going to give you a suggested reason, a couple reasons. <clears throat> I got to believe that Jesus had been t in town for a while, and she must have heard Jesus speak and or saw Jesus' love, that he was kind to the unloving. Had to be. There had to be some reason that would make her believe 
If she could get to Jesus, she could get forgiveness. So, hypothetically, what, do you, what message do you think she but, might have heard? Now, if we read the parallel time frame in the book of Matthew, he doesn't share this story, but the time, time frame, this is when John the Baptist's disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, are you the one we're looking for? And Jesus has a message for them. So what message did she hear? Well, in that text, Matthew chapter 11, let me read what Jesus said. And Very likely, I'm getting conjecture, this was message or similar message that she heard. Jesus said, come to me. You're invited. Everyone's invited. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, man, imagine the burden of being a prostitute. I don't know what your burden is, but we all carry heavy burdens. He said, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Not all those pharisaical laws, but take my life upon you. Let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle. I'm not accusatory. I'm not going to shame you and blame you and judge you. And you'll find rest. Rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, Jesus says, to bear. Being a Jesus follower should be easier than not being a Jesus follower. And if it isn't, you're not getting it right. (laughs) And the burden I give you is light. What's Jesus say to us? You're invited. No matter what you've done, no matter how long you've done it, you're invited. Next slide. Who? Who's invited? Everyone's invited. The hurting, the lame. We'll talk about that in a minute. You are not only invited, you are loved. So, I don't know if it's the final question. Maybe it's the final question. What changed this lady? Did judging her and shaming her and ostracizing her, did it change that list, this lady? No, it's only when Jesus came to town and gave her a message, an invitation, that she, did she respond. Uh, another time, Jesus says it this way. Well, here's the question. Did Jesus come for those who are well? Those who are doing well? Those who had it all together? Is that who Jesus came for? No, he says, no, I came for those who are sick, those who are in need, those who have burdens and are broken and hurting and feel like they've let God down, whether they've never been in God's family, or even if you've been in God's family. I thought of the prodigal son story. He was in the family and went off to riotous living and sinful living, and eventually, the Bible says, he came to himself and realized he was better off in the family, and he came back, and he was still always accepted. I'll fin- finish with this. Jesus tells us, Another story about this guy was um, held, held a feast. And he was a rich guy, so he invited. Who do rich guys invite to their feasts? Other rich guys, right? Other rich people. And the story is fascinating. I didn't put it all on the screen, but uh, 
all three that are recorded had excuses. You know, one, I just got married, sorry, I can't come. Another, I've just made this business decision and I got to take care of that. Anyway, all three of them made decisions. And so the servant comes back to his master and say, hey, they don't, they don't want to come to your party. Did you ever invite people to your party? Thank you, again, made me think. Thank you, folks, for coming to my party last Sunday. I certainly appreciate it. It helped me celebrate. Um, so, the text says, the servant returned and told his master what they had said, the excuses. His master was furious. So he said, wait a minute. I'm having this party anyway. So go quickly into the streets and alleys and towns and invite. Now, this was unthinkable. <laughs> Rich people didn't invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Of course, this is representing who? This is God. This master. So the text goes on. And the servant had done, went after he had done this. He invited the cripple and the lame and so forth. And the text says this. He had done this and reported, there's still room for more. And the text goes on to say, and go out and urge them or compel them to come in. And that's instructions to you and I. We are servants to our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of our responsibility, but part of our joy is we get to invite people and tell them, describe to them what it's like to be in the family. It's better than being outside the family. And urge them or invite them to come in. Because again, Jesus invites the people, others reject. I'd like to give you something to do during the week. So this, during this series, I'm going to give you some extra readings. I always have other scriptures that I'd like to spend time reading, but we don't have time on Sunday morning. So you can read all these at once if you want, or dot them up like it is on the screen. Uh, next step, uh, reading plan for, I gave you four days worth of reading. And so, you're invited Next week, we'll continue this series. Let me pray with you before you go. Uh, Father God is so thankful because we're all sinful. We're all great sinners. Our sins are great. Um, and you, you invited us. And you loved us. And you accepted us. And you take the burden. You take the penalty. Um, the debt is canceled. And we, we are acceptable in your sight and we have fellowship with you here on earth and eventually with you for eternity. And God, if anybody is listening that never accepted your invitation, I pray today would be the day that they would understand that no matter how great the sin, you're a greater Savior. And as we say, the foot of the cross is level. We all come the same as sinners by faith through grace. And God, most of us are Jesus followers. It's wonderful to remember and to understand how we're part of the family that you invited us to come just as we are. And God, we get to share that with the world. We get to tell all those who are hurting and broken and burdened Come. Jesus says, come, and I'll lift your burden. God, we pray, I pray for opportunities to share 
This is good news, obviously, with someone this week. And God, I pray your spirit would go before us and to work in that heart and mind and bring about that transformation from burden to rest and peace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.